Abundance Success Series. That was Bobby Brooks Wilson. I can't love you anymore. Sound familiar? The voice? Uh, before that was his legendary father, Jackie Wilson. But Bobby Brooks Wilson did not grow up knowing he was the son of a legend. He came from very humble beginnings and battled through not only physical, but learning disabilities, the military, and ran into some very famous people along the way to help him realize entertainment might be in his calling. And he also ran into a very famous Bruno, but I'll let him tell the story. Awesome interview. Let's get to it. I was born in Westbury, Long Island, in a house in New York. Uh, my mom was originally from South Carolina, so I think she decided she wanted me to grow up in South Carolina, and she was giving me up. She gave me up because she was so young. Um, I don't know exactly how young she was because I met my mom once or twice as a, a as an adult. Yes. We never, we never got close. Uh huh. And she continued on her path, living her life. Uh huh. And my mother passed young, so I I never really got to know her. But um, no, uh, she gave me up at birth, and I was raised. She took me to South Carolina, where I was raised. In the foster home, my mother that raised me was a um, strong Christian lady. Um, she was the right person for me because apparently I have my father's personality and and apparently I have his ways as far as uh, music and and uh, action. I like I like the action. I was cooking. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so, so so what are we eating? What are we eating? <laughs> Today I'm making an easy meal. I'm making spaghetti today. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's an easy meal today. So I was cutting, it, cutting up the onions and blah, blah, blah. You know, my mm-hmm. mom taught me how to cook when I was eight years old. Wow, that's great. And, uh, one of the things that she was uh, into was uh, when, we, when we all realized that we were foster kids, she said, uh, God put you, in, put you in my home because you're all special. And uh, we we make no excuses for our lives. It is what it is. You guys are special. God's going to use you when he talks to you three times. When, when he comes to you with something, he always comes three, in threes. So mm-hmm. pay attention. Sit up, pay attention, and listen. So that's what I grew up with. And um, and she, she you know, she her name was Annabelle Davis. And she was out of Cordia, Georgia. She was the baby girl of 12 brothers. Six of her brothers were preachers. Her father was a preacher. So that's what I grew up in. (laughs) Wow. Well, that's a good upbringing. She had 400 kids, including me. Mm -hmm. And uh, they took me at three months old to her house, and I stayed till I became an adult. And she stayed my mom all my life. um, Wow. So so I didn't know anything about my, you know, family no more than my foster mother. Her husband died when we were very, very young. So uh, he died when I was six years old, and so she never remarried, and she stayed strong. She was very involved in the church, it was Southern Baptist Church, and so she was singing on the choir, and um, that's what got me into the music, because uh, that was one of the things that got me into the music. She was singing in the choir, so she would take us and make us sit on the front row, so we were forced to pay attention in church. 
which we didn't want to. We didn't even want to be there. But we were forced to pay attention, and, uh, I, and they didn't have pianos or nothing like that, no instruments. So they was all singing a cappella, and I remember being amazed by this harmony singing that I didn't know what it was. But they were singing, and they were singing in harmony, and it was so beautiful. And as a kid, I remember rocking to it. <clears throat> also, when I was a kid, I suffered um, with um, with several different ailments. I had rickets at the bones, so and uh, I, had, I was 98% disability, so they had to break my legs and straighten my legs uh, when I was young. But between 3 and 6, they broke my legs, put me in cast for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, uh, so I had rickets at the bones, I had... Uh, Underdeveloped lungs and underdeveloped internal uh, intestines track. So I was in and out of the hospital until I was about nine or ten years old. I didn't I didn't really play as much um, as kids normally do. I did start getting very active when I was about twelve years old because everything that was going wrong with me when I first came in the world was straightened up by the time I was twelve. Now uh, people thought. People said to me that I lived a terrible life, a hard life, but to me it was a good life. It wasn't terrible at all. I wanted to ask you, in terms of growing up and and people thinking that, I I grew up in hospitals myself, but doesn't it give you a different appreciation for life? And sometimes, in some ways, mentally, it grows you up a little faster mentally. I think it did because when my mom did certain things, I wouldn't let it bother me. I think that would have bothered normal kids. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, what I'm saying is, uh, because my mother lost the love of her life uh, when I was six, she she prayed a lot and begged God, why did He take her take her away? She became an alcoholic. When she became an alcoholic, she became abusive, but verbally abusive. She would only be abusive. She would only be abusive when she was drinking. And she would say very hard things like, nobody wants you, no, your daddy didn't want you, your mama didn't want you, and things like that. But I always blew it off like she's drunk. Because when she's not drinking, she'll never say anything like that. Right. She'll never, she never even wanted, she loved us, loved on us, so she wanted us to feel loved. But when she went through her drinking years, which was about from 7 till 12, that was where her drinking is because she she, uh, she busted me pouring out her drink uh, uh, one day. Uh, she was drinking. She was a gin drinker, and I, I would pour the gin out and fill it up with water because she hid the bottles all around the house, and I knew where they all were. So I would pour it all out and fill it up with water, and she caught me. And I thought she was going to kill me because she you know she came from the old school where you get spankings, but I didn't realize I made her quit. She didn't drink after she busted me. Mm. And then she asked, she asked me, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, my God, because this woman would beat us with switches. And I said, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just started crying, and I said, uh, I don't like it when you drink. You're not the, you when you drink. And uh, she goes, go in your room and wait on me, which, which I thought would be followed by a switch. But, no, she never came back in the room. And she went cold turkey. She never drank another drink after that day. Wow. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, that's how I grew up. Um, her, she, my mother, Annabelle, had only one daughter, 
which was uh, Anne. And Anne was the most influential for me with her, um, with the music. Because my, my mother spared her to death, bought her a 1967 Mustang drop top apple green leather interior. Wow. <laughs> As you can tell, I love her. Mustang. Oh, yes. And, 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 and she bought her the first hi fi stereo system in our neighborhood. Nobody else had one. So she was playing records all the time. Otis Redding, Al Green, B.B. King, Bobby Blue Bland, Bobby Rush. You name it. My sister was playing the Supremes, Four Tops, The Temptations, Jackie Wilson, Sam Cooke, Soul Stirs. You know, I, I grew up listening to all of that, especially when I was sick, because when I was sick, I could, all I could do is sit on the, on the, on the, on the uh, sofa and rock to the music with a cup of orange juice. That's what they would give me because I would have real bad um, asthma attacks and stuff like that um, between those years. So I couldn't really play. Plus, I had those casts on my leg. And after they took the casts off my legs, they put the braces on my legs, which I, I kept on until I was 12. The braces I'm talking about is the Forrest Gump braces. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. When I saw that movie, that was me as a kid running in my braces with those weighted shoes. And my mom screaming out the door, Stop that damn running! You know? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make me take you to the hospital again! Which she was right. Because <laughs> I wound up in the hospital because I couldn't breathe or whatever. Or something wrong with, with my intestines. I couldn't, the food wasn't going right or whatever. So, um, but thank God, and also I had a speech impediment, which you probably can hear a little bit of when I talk. And uh, But it was really bad. It was so bad that they classified me, the Department of Social Services classified me as retarded. <laughs> wow. So until they figured out, wait a minute, he's got a speech impediment. He's, you know. uh, so I went through that as a kid. And, um, and then um, graduated from high school, you know, fell in love at 13, 14, met a girl. Uh, got married in 19, joined the Navy, and, my, you know, uh, they say uh, man plans and God laughs, that my mom said all the time. And mm-hmm. my plan was to stay married for 30, 40 years, stay married, uh, retire in 30 years, and buy myself a trailer and travel the world with my family. But after 10 years in the Navy, I suffered kidney stones, so my health came back to haunt me, and I passed eight of them. So they gave me what they call a, a medical discharge out of the Navy. But by the time I joined, got out of the Navy, I was, uh, how much? Uh, I was uh, 135 pounds going in the Navy soaking wet. But when I got out, I was 240. So everybody called me big guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and and um, I started hanging out. And, and I, you know, um, my job, I was a um, uh, technician, a uh, nuclear technician. And um, so I had a job waiting for me, government job, in South Carolina. But it was a year away, maybe 18 months away before I first start working. So I said, well, I'll just hang out in Hawaii and have a good time till it's time for me to go back to the real world, what I called it. While hanging out in Hawaii, um, I met a lot of the local Hawaiian guys. I, don't, I, I guess I don't know how I started meeting them. I just started hanging out with them. They thought I was Hawaiian as well. They thought I was part Samoan or something because 
um, I'm light skinned and big guy, you know, so, and there was a lot of them like that. And I, I started hanging out with them and then they invited me to the karaoke bar, which I thought, the first time I went, I thought it was some kind of Japanese soup bar, but, uh, in America, uh, well, in the mainland, there was no karaoke, only in Hawaii. And people, uh, that's what they did for recreation, they sang. They go and drink and sing. And I thought this was just amazing. And I would, I, after sitting with these guys for a few times, they said, come on, Bob, brother, sing a song, try to sing a song. I said, oh, man, I, I don't sing. They said, come on, brother, sing a song. You can sing a song. So I finally went through the book and found My Girl by the Temptations. I said, well, everybody knows this song. And when I sung that first song by, um, on the karaoke, sitting at the table with the rest of my friends, uh, I remember the room spinning and people started cheering and like going like, who is this? And because and, and I was listening to all the Hawaiian guys sing, and they all have real super high tenor voices. You know, they sound like girls when they sing. Me, I don't sound like a girl. I come in there, you know, my girl, you know. <laughs> Is that you? That's me. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so make a long story short, you can interrupt any time. I'm just trying to. No, it sounds real interesting that uh, people are hearing a gift you're not recognizing quite yet. Oh, I had no idea. They, they were, I remember the. I remember this room is spinning because of what people were saying. It was like, oh my God, who's this guy? Who, who, you know, and and then uh, my, I was hanging out with a guy called Brother Is. Brother Is turned out to be a big old Hawaiian star. I had no idea he was a star. Uh, he's seven hundred seven hundred pound brother, and um, I was hanging out with him and a couple other people, the Casamilza, Casamiro brothers. I don't know if you know any of these people, Melvin Lead, but they're all stars in, right. in this karaoke bar. Mm-hmm. I had no no clue that these people were stars. You know, I just know uh, when they start singing, people would ask them sing another song, sing another song, and they and of course they did without thinking about it. They just did it, and I'm hanging out with these guys not knowing, and then it's when they finally taught me into singing um, uh, My Girl, then people start walking up to me, can you sing my song? And I was like, I never heard of this song. Oh, that's all right, you'll do fine. Uh, i never forget, I sung Unchained Melody before I ever heard, knew what the song was. It just, it just follows the lines. You, your voice is perfect. <laughs> wow. And, and, I, and, and uh, for some reason, I had the natural ability to find the melody. And I did, you know. So anyway, so what did I do? Oh, so Peter Hernandez walks in and says to me, "Hey, man, you got a nice voice." I knew uh, that is. <laughs> yeah, you probably got. You probably a first tenor, second tenor. I'm a producer of a show called The Love Notes. Have you heard of it? I said, No, I haven't. He said, Yeah, we're in Waikiki at the Waikiki Sheraton. Perhaps you heard of my son Bruno, the world's youngest Elvis impersonator. I said, nope, haven't heard of your son. <laughs> he goes, well, anyway, uh, why don't you come to the show and check it out and uh, audition for us. And I said, man, I, I'm just doing this for fun. He goes, no, no, no. He said, you got something. He says, come on, just come on and check out the show. So I said, okay. So the first time i ever been to any kind of show, because I grew up in a foster home, we didn't go nowhere except church and back home, school and back home. No special events, no sports, nothing. Church and back home. So anyway, to make a long, mom, uh, 
So I go to the show. I'm blown away. Seven good-looking guys, very thin, with exaggerated pompadours, and seven beautiful women, uh, looking like the Supremes or every girl group you can ever think of. They were dressed in that era, and then little Bruno comes out, and he's like six years old, doing Elvis, and he kills the he kills the crowd. And I'm standing there looking at them like, man, I can, I don't, I don't know how I would even ever fit in there. I was 180 pounds by that by that time, and I was like, I don't even know how I can fit into that group. I'm too big. I look like a killer on stage. That's what Pete said. But Pete said, follow me, follow my lead. They auditioned me. They hired me on the spot. And Pete asked me, said, can you grow hair? Because I used to shave my head. Uh, when I was in the Navy. I said, I don't know. I've, I've been shaving for over 10 years. He says, well, see if you can grow your hair. You know, if, if, you, if you can't, then we'll figure out a wig or something. But you got to have a pompadour. You know? Well, sure enough, my hair grew like weed. Before I knew it, I had um, I had this lady um, relax my hair, and I was able to do the pompadour look. And when I started that pompadour look, even at 180, people started yelling to me from the audience, you look like Jackie Wilson. I wanted to do you sing like him. When I, when I got hired by the group, I only sung backup because I had no stage presence, no nothing. So I only sung backup. But working with the group, with, with um, Johnny Valentine, which was uh, Bruno's uh, uncle, uh, Pete's brother-in-law, because Pete was married to Bernie, which uh, which was the mother, but the sister, she sing like Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin, uh, Tina Turner. That's the kind of voice she had. And so, so she was doing all the girl group leads. And then, of course, I was singing back up while they had her brother doing most of the boy leads in our, on our group. Besides Bruno coming out doing, doing this little thing. So I stayed with them for about five years till Paul Revere, the Raiders came in to look at Bruno. They, uh, they started a show called Legends in Concert. They started in Vegas, but the producer from Vegas teamed up with Paul, and Paul opened the show in Hawaii. So they had Michael Jackson, Madonna, uh, Marilyn Monroe, and blah, blah, blah. And I never went to see that show. But everybody kept saying, you got to go see the show. But I said, nah, I'm not, I'm not interested in an impersonation show. I just wasn't interested. And Paul came over, and Paul and, and then John Stewart, to see Bruno, and they watched Bruno and... At the end of the show, they, you know, they went to Bernie and Pete to talk about Bruno. They want to put Bruno in the show some kind of way because he, he was doing Michael Jackson by then, Elvis and Michael Jackson. So I was walking out the door, and Paul stops me in my track and hey, where do you think you're going? <laughs> and I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just headed out the door. You know, so he said, you know who you look like? I said, yeah, I heard. Yeah, you heard. This guy was Doc Elvis. He was this. He was that. Paul went berserk. You got to do Jackie Wilson for us. Come and audition for Jackie Wilson. I said, first of all, I don't know who he is. I wouldn't know what songs to sing and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, just come to the show. So I ignored him. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I didn't think I'd never see him again. You know, I'm on the island working. And I run into him in the grocery store. No, Walmart. Walmart in the island. And he goes, hey, Bopper. Come here. And I thought, oh, God, it's Paul Revere again. And still, I don't know who he is. Everybody's saying, don't you know who Paul Revere is? I'm like, no, never heard of him. 
And he says, hey, Robert, I want you to wait for me. I want you to do the, the Jackie Wilson. And I told him, I said, no, no, no. I said, I'm an artist, man. I said, I'm, I'm working with Columbia Records. I'm writing songs. And I'm hoping to get a deal, an artist deal. He goes, well, until you get an artist deal, you can work for me. And I said, okay. And then he went away. And I ignored him again. Paul Revere's a legend. And, 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 and Martin Lindsay? The, the yeah, Lindsay Martin Lindsay. Whoa. Well, yeah. I had no idea. And, and Paul's married to the Marilyn Monroe in the show, which was Sydney. Uh, so he would, Paul used to crack me up because he'd go down the road, I'm married to Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> That's what he would do, yelling down the street. And so I, re- I ran into him again at a place called Bobby McGee's, a nightclub. I was walking in with a girl, and he saw me, and he said, hey. So anyway, I'm walking in uh, Bobby McGee's, and he stopped me. and said, Bob, didn't I tell you? And at the same time he said that, Mama's voice popped in my head and said, Three times, God's talking. Pay attention. It was like she was standing right behind me. And I went, okay, Paul, I'll, I'll come see the show. I'll do the audition. And that's the only reason why I agreed. Because it was wow. three times. And three, yeah, the third time really really rang, rang in your mind, huh? Mama's voice popped right in the back of my head. Pay attention. It's three times, God's talking. This ain't about you. This is about God. That's how she would talk. And so I said, okay, Paul. I don't know where this is going to lead, but okay. And he said, don't worry about it, Papa. I'm going to walk you straight through, Papa. I'll get you through it. I'll get you through the door, is what he said. So I, I went to see the show. I was blown away, just like I was blown away by the Love, the love Notes show. Incident side note, I'd outgrown the Love Notes, though, because I wanted to be my own artist. Mm-hmm. So when I started with the, the Love Notes, I was just a backup singer. By the time, five years later, by the time I meet Paul, I'm ready to go out on my own. But Paul intercepted with the impersonation show. And um, I was I was negotiating with some people at Columbia Records. I had submitted a song. They liked the song. You know, anyway. So I, I'm thinking I'm on my way, but it, was, it wasn't. They just stole the damn song. So anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> music business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, anyway, um, I'm thinking I'm on my way, but then when when, when he said uh, he showed up again and I heard Mama's voice, I, I said, I went to the show and I saw it and I thought it was great. And I said, I said, uh, Paul, I don't know how to do that. I don't. I don't have an idea, inkling idea, how to create a Jackie Wilson show. And by the time I went to the show, I did some research, and I said uh, all I found on Jackie Wilson was a paragraph. I said, "No, there's no, no video. There's no nothing where I can just look at him and see how close I look like him, and see, you know, see his, what he does on stage." I said, "I have nothing." And Paul said, hey, Bopper, let me tell you something. I was watching you. You already act like him. You don't have to worry about that. You already look like him. You got to worry about that. Just make sure you got that pompadour happening, and uh, we'll work with you with everything else. And so, and then he then he said, uh, can you dream? I said, can you dream? Can I dream? Yeah, I can dream. I've been dreaming all my life. Good. Before you go to sleep, I want you to visualize yourself on that stage right before you go to sleep. Every night before. 
visualize yourself on that stage with your singers, your dancers, and the band doing Jackie Wilson. Don't, don't worry about anything else. And I'll give you three months to put it together. I said, okay. And uh, I left it, left it, and um, I have been visualizing my whole life. I, uh, I used to daydream that my mom was a Diana Ross-type lady and that she was going to pull up in a big stretch super limo and say, my baby, my baby, and take me away in the sunset. I used to dream that as a kid <laughs> all the time when I figured out that I was a foster kid. So um, I did a lot of dreaming, you know. Uh, when the Jacksons first came out, I imagined I was Michael Jackson for about a year. <laughs> wow. And I was putting on shows uh, in our backyard with uh, four chairs with brooms sticking out of them and charging people five cents to see me do ABC one two three. <laughs> wow. As a kid, okay. So, and Jackie and Jackie Wilson was my, one of Michael Jackson's idols. <laughs> yeah, but I, at the time, you know, I, I had no idea. You know, just when I saw the Jacksons on the American Bandstand, I lost my mind. My sister was out in the woods playing uh, in South Carolina. My sister yelled out the front door, "Bloody!" And I come running, and she's watching the American Bandstand. And I and I was mesmerized when I saw the Jackson Five, completely mesmerized, like. It was like hypnotic, and and I immediately went out in the backyard and set up a Jackson Five thing and started singing ABC. And at that time, I was my voice was the same as Michael. I was high. Um, my voice was so high when people called me and said, "Hey, little girl, where's your mama?" And I'm like, "I'm not a little girl." It's like, whatever. Get your mother no. shut up. You know. <laughs> Whoa. We were talking about people from the South, old ladies from the South. You know, they, everybody was your mother. When I was growing up, uh, so you better not talk disrespectful. You're gonna get beat down. <laughs> yeah, whenever I go to sa- to the south and have to work, I-, I see some of the the isms, the culture. Yeah. It's totally different. I'm a northerner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And no back talk. And it don't matter if it's your mama or not. You can get spanking from somebody else, your neighbor. Mm-hmm. That's what my dad, my dad's a southerner, both my parents are southerners, and they would tell me about all this. And so uh, it was a culture shock going from New Jersey down to, uh, you know, the south. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I'm sure it's a culture shock. Because I never, when I left South Carolina and joined the Navy and I left South Carolina, I said, I'm never coming back to live there. Never. And then I took a job thinking that I didn't have nothing else to do. And the job, what turns out, the job was in Sumter, South Carolina. I'm like, but it was a good job, so I was like, um, okay. And but I had a year and a half to play, so I said, well, I'm gonna make the best of it. I never left Hawaii after that. Mm-hmm. But so, uh, so I, I joined the the uh, Legends and Concert Show. They hired me on the spot uh, on my audition, and um, and I'm working in Hawaii, and I get a call from nowhere. From somewhere, from out of nowhere, a guy named, oh man, I can't remember his name, Norbert. Yeah, it was a weird name. Norbert. Say, hey man, I heard about you, that you look and sound like Jackie Wilson. I'm doing a play in Philadelphia. And it's called The Jackie Wilson Story. I want you to do it. I said, oh man, I would love to. By then, I started doing research on Jackie Wilson. By, by the time I became, started doing, started doing a tribute, a book came out by Tony Douglas called Jackie Wilson, The Man, The Mob, The Music. Uh, 
at the same time that book came out, a, a, a video came out by Blockbusters called Jackie Wilson at the Shindig. So I finally got a video where I can actually look and see who Jackie Wilson looked like. Because even when I took my first headshot, I was taking a guess. The, the lady said to me, she says, uh, so how, how did Jackie Wilson pose? I said, I really don't know. So I said, but he was called Mr. Excitement. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sing, and you just take pictures while I'm singing. And that's how I got my first headshot. Because mm-hmm. I said, I want excitement to come out of my picture. And and that's what came out. It came out like I was in the middle of a song, just having a great time. And um, that was my first headshot. A lot of times online right now, people confuse that to, as a Jackie Wilson picture. Wow. Um, um, so anyway, you, um, did, you had no idea when when, when did you when did it, what age did it finally hit you that okay? Well, people started people started. Uh, well, it hit me when I sent my biological mother my first headshot of me as, Jack, as Jackie Wilson, and I, I was going home, and so I sent the pictures to her in the mail, and then I went home because um. um you know, I hadn't been there in a long time, and um, I was I remarried because I, uh, I went through a divorce, and then I remarried, and my my baby was, at the time, six months old. So my new wife was, because I knew that I wasn't, had, didn't have a relationship with my biological mother, so she kept pushing me, come on, let's go meet your mother. The baby needs to know who your mother is and blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay. So I went, for, this was my second time seeing my mother when I went. And when I went, the first thing she says to me, why did you send me a picture of Jackie Wilson? I don't want no damn pictures of Jackie Wilson. And I looked at it, and I said, well, what did you do with the picture? She goes, I tore it up. And then I said, okay, well, that wasn't Jackie Wilson. That was me. Because when I get off stage, I slip my hair back to a pigtail or ponytail, and I wear a baseball cap. So for as I'm concerned, I don't look like Jackie as soon as I take my hair down. Mm-hmm. I think as soon as I put my hair up, I look just like him. As soon as I take my hair down, I look like any other brother that's walking the streets. <laughs> so, okay. When to, so when I went to see her, um, you know, I had my hair slicked back because I'm not working. And she said, um, that was you? And I said, yeah, that was me, you know. And I said, and I didn't think about it. I didn't think nothing of it, you know. And then... Um, people started um, asking me, you know, do you know any of the Wilsons? I said, no, no, I don't know. And then, then I get the video, and I see the video, and then I'm shocked, because that was after I saw my mom. I look at the video, and I knew that my mom was running around with the, the band guys, with the stars of the 60s. Because I, cause her, her sister said, well, your mom was wild, and she was running around Chasing James Brown and all those guys, and I said, "Oh, okay," because she was, you know, she was a wild child. But I understood. I didn't know that at first why, but I understood later why my mom was a wild child. It's kind of funny. Uh, my children broke the chain. My mother was given up at birth too, and which mm. I didn't know until wow. until three years ago that she was given up at birth. She was given up at birth and, as well as her two sisters. Cause, and I found that out because my grandmother died and, and my, my half-sisters were posted in Facebook 
oh, grandma's dead, and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I called them and said, who is grandma? They said, oh, that's your grandmother. I said, oh, well, how come nobody told me about her? Why, why nobody want to introduce me to her? Because I've, I've been around all these years. And they told me she didn't want to meet you. I went, whoa. Just blew me away. That's a different story. So, I'm sorry about it. Grandma didn't want to meet you. And so I, I, I left that alone. But right. anyway, but, um, so after I see the video of Jackie and I see that I'm the spitting image of this man, everything I do from, from blinking my eyes to snapping my fingers is Jackie Wilson. Uh, then they sent me out to Atlantic City. Uh, Paul Revere said to me, Hey, Bopper, since you, now that you got a video that you can, he said, it's amazing how much you look like him. He says, you're doing everything that he's doing on that video. You're already doing. I said, I said, well, I was just being me. He said, well, evidently you being you is you being Jackie. So that time I hadn't met anybody, but I was in my early 30s. So Paul said, I'm going to send you to Atlantic City because Jackie Wilson was king of New York, king of the East Coast, king of Alabama and Georgia and blah, blah, blah. He says he, he did the chilling circuit and da, da, da. So I'm going to send you over there. You should be a big hit. So he did. He sent me to Atlantic City. And two weeks in Atlantic City, I, I'm sitting in my dressing room, and my entertainment director, Jim Asher, comes to me and says, Hey, Bobby, do you know the Four Tops? I said, No. He said, Well, they know you. And I said, well, I know of the Four Tops. I mean, they're, you know, Motown. He goes, yeah, they want to meet you. I said, okay. He says, follow me. Well, I'm, I was performing at Bally's Park Place. They were there doing uh, corporate shows. Nobody knew they were in the building because they were doing corporate shows up upstairs in the main ballrooms for whoever they was working for. For the whole week, I guess they were there a week or two weeks. And I guess they came and saw me every night that I was there, and they saw me walking around the, the um, casino, and they saw me in the lunchroom, which I didn't know because I wouldn't know who they who they were, you know. I didn't pay attention to them that much. And so, you know, I knew the music, but that was it. He takes me up to meet the Four Tops. I go in the dressing room, and I walk in the dressing room, and Levi looks at me, and he looks me up and down, and he goes, you got to get up early in the morning to be anything close to my cousin. Kid, you are amazing, he says to me. Mm, that's and a compliment, I, too, because he's, he's, he's a cousin, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, first cousin. And I said, oh, thank you. And then I turned, and then uh, Lawrence takes over and starts shooting questions at me left and right. Where are you from, boy? You, how'd you study Jackie that well? I mean... How'd you study him? Are you being Jackie right now? And I'm like, no, I'm not being Jackie right now. <laughs> I'm Bobby. Who do you mean I'm not being Jackie right now? He says, you're, you're Jack. You're so much. It's like he's back. And and then then Obi walks in and Duke walk in and they look at me like I was from another planet. Wow. And they said, it's like Jackie Wilson is standing in front of us. And he says, I know my brother's gone because I buried him. And um, I looked at um, Lawrence, and he, he says, uh, he says, well, you got to be family. He started saying that. He said, who's your parents? Can you tell us who your parents are? Maybe you're related to us. I said, no, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't be related to you guys. I said, um, 
I, 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 I don't know my dad, but I know my mother. He says, how do you know your mother? I say, well, I met her once, and, I, you know, I know her name because she's on my birth certificate. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I was given up at birth. I was raised in Foster And then he started calling the guys back because it was just me and Levi talking, I mean, Lawrence talking for a while. But then when he says, what, 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 you what? You was, you was what? So I, was, I was raised in Foster home. And then he says, uh, Levi, come back here. <laughs> he calls them all. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And, and then he goes, he's, he's, so he's asking, asking, asking. He said, what's your mom's name? And I was like, my mother's name. He said, yeah, what's your mother's name? I said, um, uh, why you, I just want to know my mother's name. And Levi said, just, just tell us what your mom's name is. And I said, well, my mother's name is so-and-so from, and I, I, I just told her the first name, and they said, she's from Columbia, South Carolina? I mm. said, yep. Yeah, we, <laughs> we know your daddy. <laughs> wow. And then he turned, and then Levi says to me, your mama was fine. I'm telling you right now, your mama was fine. She might have been young, but she looked like a 30-year-old woman. And I was like, Say, do you know how old your mother was when you were born? I said, yeah. And they said, don't tell us. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's what they told me. You know, do you know her age when she, when you were born? I said, yeah, I do. Don't, don't tell us. I just remember her being very fine. Jackie had her around us. And, and, uh, and later on, they introduced me to uh, Billy Roquel Davis. And, um, Billy Roquel Davis became like a father figure to me, my mentor. He's also Jackie's cousin as well as Levi's cousin. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence, they're all related. Uh, you dig into Billy, you find out Billy was one of the original four Ames when they were the Ames. Uh-huh. And Billy got off the group to become, to do writing and producing. He didn't want to do the group thing. Which yeah, the travel good. and everything can be rough. Yeah, say again? The travel and everything can be pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, when you're dealing with a bunch of knuckleheads and you got to travel with them your whole life. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, but Billy, um, so Billy dropped off and uh, off the group. So it must have been five guys because Levi was already on the group. Uh, but they kind of let Billy manage them. Uh, I think Billy managed them. That's why uh, when Lawrence met me, he called Billy and told Billy he had needed to come up and, and, and see me. Uh, I didn't know that Billy was going to come. Um, Lawrence didn't tell me. Uh, Lawrence, you know, we became family too and gave me his number, and I, I talked to him all the way up to he passed. He passed a year after I met him. But um, but um I would talk to Lawrence all the time, and he said, you talked to Billy yet? You talked to Billy yet? I said, no. He goes, I told Billy to come see you, which he says, uh, but Billy don't want to go see impersonator. And Billy said, and he told me this. He said, Billy says, there's only one jacket. There's, there's never another jacket. You know, so he didn't want to come see it. So I said, well, I understand. I mean, I said, Jackie Wilson was a monster of an entertainer. I said, I so I understand, you know. I said, I, I ain't trying to be him. I said, it's just so happened I look like him. And Lawrence says, son, you, you're his. <laughs> <laughs> he spit you out. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. He says, he says, there's no doubt in my mind. And that was then. So because, because of that bridge, I was able to meet the family and became real close with one, one of the brothers, and we did the, the work, the blood work. And sure enough, Jackie Wilson was my daddy. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, and it's interesting that you were able to meet people who actually knew him. And they were basically blown away. It's like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> standing yeah, yeah, right yeah. here. The first ones was Levi Stubbs and, uh, and I mean, Levi and Lawrence and Obi and Duke. And I'm mm-hmm. still in touch with Duke to this day, you know. Um, uh, Duke didn't take an interest in me like Lawrence and Levi did. But I understand because Lawrence and Levi related and, and to Jackie. Right. So, but 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 Duke still treats me like family, of course, and um, I'm very close with a lot of the family members. And uh, Jack, my dad has a big family, <laughs> so um, some of the people I know, some of them I don't know, some of them love me, some of them don't care for me. So I'm just living my life. I started by myself. I, I'm going to leave by myself. But right. I have my uh, I have my family, my kids, and you know my family, and my wife, and. And everything, so I'm I'm good. It's Amen. Just having God's. Uh, I used to question, you know, uh, when I started impersonating Jackie uh, and doing his shows, I tr- I started walking away and doing other impersonations like Little Richard and Stevie Wonder, Johnny Mathis, Rick James, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding. I started doing all these other ones, Al Green, and um, and I did it because I could do it. I could change my voice. I had the ability. And so um, I kept trying to stay away from Jackie and just be Bobby Brooks because people started calling me Jackie. I mean, Joe Jackson and, have, you know, all the people that I would meet that knew my dad, they just called me Jack or Jackie. Hey, Jack, how you doing, Jackie? Are you working? You know, I mean, everybody. I mean, uh, Gladys Knight, um Mary Williams, uh, I mean Wilson, uh, uh, Martha Reeves calls me her grand, her godson. You know, I mean, just everybody in the business. Mickey Stevens. Uh, Mickey's like, how you doing, Jack? You working, Jack? You know, Mickey's funny. I don't know if you know who Mickey Stevens is. Yes, I do. He's a great songwriter. Great writer. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got some great songs out there I love. Oh, yeah, Mickey. Mickey has some great songs. I, I, I just couldn't cut a deal with him. He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You know that that music though of of love of um, excitement of innocence. Uh, uh, e- even though you know you, you listen to the words, it's not, but it, it's delivered in that way. Right. Um, do you think that'll ever come back? Because I mean, when yeah. is the last time you? Um, uh, it, what's the last time in a major way you've heard uh, seven or eight love songs played on any radio genre? Unless well, it's you know, classics. Well, not on on, the, on on live radio, nothing. But if you go to Pandora, you go to all these, you know, Spotify and all these other places, you you'll find it because they got a playlist set up where they right. play the ballads and stuff like that. But as far as artists doing that kind of music, I have to say, and not because I'm biased, my boy Bruno Mars oh, yeah. is the one that's doing it. Right, because because Bruno Mars is the same kid Bruno that was playing Baby Elvis in the show that started me out. 